Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of Today's High Score, our brand new call-in show on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Uh, big thanks to everybody who is in the chat right now, everyone who's ready to call in. This is a call-in show, it's all about you guys, uh, and likewise, it's going to take you guys to make the show work. So, a couple ground rules before we get started. Uh, we're using Skype for this show. Our handle on Skype is Sifted Games, S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S, all one word. Um, you can use your PC, you can use your phone, you can use a tablet, uh, you can call in and just use audio if you want to. We can totally work with that. We would definitely prefer if you come in with your video. Um, obviously, putting a face with the words adds a lot of impact to what you're saying. So how this works is I introduce a couple topics. And uh, I'll kind of give my take on the topics really quickly, and then I'm going to ask for calls. A um, couple things to keep in mind. Um, there's no sort of switchboard here for us to put people on hold and wait for you guys. So you kind of need to follow the flow of the conversation a little bit. It's pretty easy to tell when things are wrapping up. Sometimes I'll give you a cue, and that's your cue to call in. Uh, if I'm talking with somebody and you're calling in, chances are we're not going to answer the call. So just kind of follow the discussion. When things seem to be winding down with someone or I call for calls, then call on in. Uh, another thing, prank calls. Um, don't waste your time. Don't waste our time. This show is not being archived on Twitch. Uh, we take it into post-production after it's done and we clean it up. So if you call and act like an idiot or put something on the video, it's just going to be completely removed out of the final archive, which is what most people are going to watch anyway. So with that in mind, let's get started with the first topic. One thing I want to start doing in this show is giving you guys a chance to comment on things that we talk about in Game Face. And for those of you who maybe don't know what Game Face is, that's our weekly video cast and our flagship show in all honesty. Uh, and it streams every Friday. Uh, we streamed it last night at 6 p.m. Pacific. The archive is up on sifted.net right now. Um, and I know we kind of give you an opportunity to do that in the comments of Game Face, but uh, we want to give you an opportunity to shine, so to speak, on THS so you guys can jump in and kind of comment on things that Matt and I discuss on Game Face. And we have a couple topics like that in today's show. In fact, the first one is a topic that we discussed on Game Face last week with Brent. And what triggered this topic was there was a trailer for a brand new game called Trailblazers. It's a racing game. And it's a team-based racing game. And essentially it's three on three. And it's a little bit like Splatoon in that as you go around the track, you paint your colors on the track. And if the other team drives over those colors, then they slow down. And if you drive on your colors, you go fast. So there's a lot of strategy. Obviously, being strategic, painting the corners uh, could really give you an advantage. And what it really reminded me of is that there are a lot of genres out there that are in need of a workover, so to speak. Um, thought that racing games and innovation in driving games were kind of dead. But after I saw this game, I realized that it's not. And I, I think I also realized that pretty much any genre can ultimately be made better if you have it in the right hand, in the hands of the right developer and that developer has some good ideas and they're willing to execute on them. And of course, that's the wild card with Trailblazers, which is what you're seeing right now, is that we don't really know if it's ultimately going to execute on the idea. The concept sounds cool. It's good enough that they got a publisher, Rising Star Games, which is kind of an indie publisher, signed it. Um, and of course they've probably seen prototypes of the game working and uh, decided it was worth investing in. So 
this game got me really excited. There's lots of genres other than driving games that I don't think innovate all that much. I think another one, and I've, I've gone on the record many times discussing this, is uh, side-scrolling platformers. Um, I will say this, though. I uh, have been playing the demo of Kirby Star Allies for the Switch, and you're seeing that right now. And I have been really, really impressed with that game so far. I've kind of blown it off as just a filler game for Switch. But the 30 to 40 minute demo that is live on the European eShop, I don't know if it's live on the US eShop yet, uh, has really impressed me. Um, it does something, obviously it's Kirby with his base abilities of inhaling enemies and then taking over their powers. But it does a lot more stuff as far as team-based mechanics are concerned. And that's where the Star Allies comes from. Is that you can essentially possess other characters in the game world and add them to your team. And um, you have a maximum of three AI partners, and I'm, I'm presuming that you'll be able to play with real human characters as well. Um, but you have you can get three AI characters that'll play along with you, and then there's actually some strategy. And here you can see capturing one of the characters that becomes then a part of your team. And then the idea is to compose a team full of diverse characters that uh, can overcome some of the elemental challenges in the game. So this is my call to you, sifters. What, what's a genre that you believe needs a complete and total rework? And if you have any ideas on how you might change that genre or alter that genre to make it fresh and new, uh, share that as well. So give us a call, uh, Sifted Games on Skype. And as soon as we get a call, we'll get you in here. Um, and again, with Kirby Star Allies, I was... Uh, Pleasantly shocked, I guess is the best way to put it. The Switch is really on a roll here. And we're actually going to talk about the first year of Switch a little later on in the show. Uh, here's our first caller. Hi, you're on THS. Who is this? Uh, Matthew, I called in not the last time, but the time before. You yeah, I, I remember you, Matthew. Thanks for calling in again. What mm -hmm. genre do you think needs a, uh, a rework or some kind of a, an overhaul? RTS. Real-time strategy games. Yep. Why Why would you say that? Because they're, they've basically been dead, like, forever. A lot, in a lot of ways, you could, depending upon who you are, you could say either one of, the, like, Command and Conquer Generals or even, like, StarCraft Brood War as sort of it, it, the genre in its prime. What do you think that they can do to fix it or change it, make it more relevant? Because it seems like a the lot of thing, developers have tried, but they've all kind of failed. Honestly, the thing I would do is, like, go. why were RTS popular to begin with? Because the only way to show people large-scale battles at that time with the technology was from an over-the-head perspective with you controlling units. Think of modern technology for a second. You could do large-scale battles in real time. Why not let the player, besides being able to control like an RTS, actually take individual control of the units from a first-person perspective as well? I think there have been RTS games that let you take control of individual units. I don't, I don't think it was in first-person, though. I think it was a third-person view. And I wish I could come up with the game that did that, but I do believe there was one game that tried. But it, the problem was it wasn't from... A big developer it was from a, a smaller studio and it didn't get a lot of press and then ultimately the execution wasn't great i, I wish i had uh, yeah. access to a pc to kind of look that up for you but i know there was at least one game that tried that 
I think done with a good developer could absolutely reinvigorate the RTS genre. Are because you a, I, are you again, a fan of RTS games, or is it just something that you've fallen I, off on and, and you wish you could continue playing them? It's something I've fallen off on. Like the last big RTS I got into was Command and Conquer Generals, and yeah. that was many years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Well, thank you for so your call. I, I think very insightful. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm honestly not a huge RTS fan, to be perfectly honest with you. I played the first two StarCrafts a good bit. I'm not good at that genre, and I think that happens for a lot of people. When you're not good at something, you tend to not like it. Um, and it's not anything personal against the genre, but I would agree that there's really nothing that's come along since I was into the first two StarCraft games that has convinced me to kind of jump back in. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your call, man. Great job. Yep. Thank you. So there you go. There's our first call. Thanks for calling in. Um, here comes another one. Mikey Mikes. Let's see if we got some video with this one. We do not. What's going on? What genre do you think should uh, needs an overhaul? Um, what I was actually just doing was, uh, first of all, this is Myzek. Hello Mizek. from Pennsylvania. Where, where in Pennsylvania? Uh, Lancaster. Oh, Lancaster. I have been to Lancaster many times. I think we actually maybe went back and forth on the site about this at one point. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, what, what I was just following up with was the RTS. Um, I do think it kind of needs an overhaul, but it's mostly because of the style of how the games are played. Um, my friends and I would play uh, Age of Empires 2, the Conqueror's Expansion. We played that for about 15 years. Wow. That and Call of Duty 4. That and Call of Duty 4 were the two main games that we would play at our lands and we played that over and over and we didn't feel that um, many other RTSs had expanded enough to make it worth uh, us switching to a new version of a game. Uh, and also is because it could run on absolutely every PC that anyone could bring. Um, the but I think the biggest thing about the RTS is that the RTS was a hallmark of the PC. That and even though PC is not dead, I love PC. I'm I have a wonderful PC right now. It is not the main source that people think of when they go to play video games. Um, oddly enough, mobile has been better to the RTS than has the console. And so most uh, RTSs can't jump to the console as easily because the controller is just not as intuitive of a method of interacting with the various units and stuff like that. Um, the closest thing, I know there have been different iterations where you can take more localized control of a unit or a powerful unit over the years, but um, Company of Heroes was one game that we did introduce to our lands circle. And we played that a lot because if not individual unit as uh, much like where you took on a hero it was such a broad command but you could localize it down to such a small skirmish of like four on four of like a machine gun squad different uh soldiers and snipers and stuff like that and it was a beautifully intimate and gorgeous game um but i think the rts it, it really is dependent on what is the most uh, popular type of platform, and uh, developers need to find something a little bit better than Halo Wars uh, to bring it to the console for it to have a rejuvenation. I mean, in, in a way, 
the Switch is the only console, I think, that actually has the capability to have a good, um, compelling, real-time strategy game on it, and that's only because of the oft-unused touch controls of the Switch pad. Yeah, I mean... I almost forget that the Switch has touch controls because they're used so little, which is so bizarre because it was such a big part of Nintendo's DNA for the last decade yeah. plus. I mean, you start thinking about the DS and then the 3DS and then the the Wii U. Um, it, it's really hard for me to comprehend why Nintendo's gone so... I mean, there was a, a big question before the Switch launched if the screen was actually a touchpad. A lot of people wondered mm -hmm. if, if that were the case, and you're right. Yeah. You're right. Touch controls, like you said, on mobile, it works. RTS, RTSs work there um, and can mm -hmm. certainly work on a console with those controls. Um, I don't know if I would want to play an RTS on the little Switch's screen, though. I'm not sure <laughs> I would either. But, uh, but so The units are so small already. You know, it would be really hard to see. Available to available tools i'm just saying that that's the only one that really had that i mean they were trying to think uh of the rts with the original launch of the xbox one with voice controls through um through connect and stuff and there was a lot of really promising things in that but people uh pushed uh, the connect away as a cancer and so those things were never able to be fully explored that's absolutely true well, man, great call. Great uh, great insight there from an RTS fan, I might add. And you've continued to play RTS games, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, I haven't gotten to play them as much because all of our land group used to be within about 30 miles. And now we have people in Philadelphia, in Wisconsin, in Virginia and stuff. So we used to, we had, um, our land ran for 58 lands. We well, wow. was was Pantheon, and we had Pantheon fifty eight, and the one that we kept doing every year for at least six years was Black Friday. Instead of going out and buying stuff, we'd all get together in and uh, play land games. And only last year was the first year that we just really couldn't do that. We tried to have Pantheon online, and it worked a little bit, but uh, it's just not the same. It sucks when you have when you've built a really good gaming community like that and it falls apart. It's like you have an, an empty hole in your heart a lot of times because you can't really replace those times. Like I, you know, for me, Halo. Everyone made a big deal about Halo when it came out. Going back to what you're saying about first-person shooters on consoles, when Halo came out, everyone was freaking out about it, saying it was like innovative. I had been playing Star Siege Tribes for years at that point, so to me, it was like, what's the big deal? But it made it much more easy to set up LAN parties than a PC because everyone could just bring their consoles and uh, set them up, and it was easy and very user-friendly to do it. And uh, I fell in love with Halo through that, not necessarily because I thought it was a superior game to Tribes, but mm -hmm. because the fact that it was able to get us all together in the same room to yeah. play games. And that is kind of a... I think that's also one of the big drawbacks of having great services like Xbox Live and PlayStation Network is that my only it's so easy yeah. to play together now you don't have to physically get together it's like you know i when i lived in philadelphia when online gaming first started with like the dreamcast on the consoles like i found myself playing my buddy in nfl 2k who was literally downstairs from me in an apartment below me and yeah. that, that was kind of the first sign to me that uh the times they they were a change in and uh they've yeah. just kind of spiraled down in that direction ever since so 
Yeah. And one of the guys who created our land, I just want to ask, do you remember a player in Star Siege Tribes and Tribes 2 named Magnum? I do not, no. Okay. I I was just wondering because uh, that was that was my good friend because he played those two games for nearly a thousand hours. He was as big of a fan of it as you. And so I always bring your name up to him and I'm like, hey, you... You, you weren't alone. Over here. <laughs> you weren't alone. You weren't alone. <laughs> yeah, I uh I mean I'm guessing I probably played with him. Um I played the crap out of tribes. In fact, I just downloaded tribes a couple months ago, and there's still servers up with hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people playing it. And obviously it, it's still they haven't remodeled the game, they haven't rebuilt the character models mm-hmm. or anything, but obviously my yeah. new my new card looks a lot better than my old Voodoo 2 did. Um, the crazy yeah. thing about Tribes is that I played that game on a 56k modem and had yep. no lag with 128 yeah. people in each match. It's it's insane. Yeah. I play games now crazy. and I yeah I play games now and I get lag and I'm like how is this even possible? <laughs> it's like it's ridiculous. I mean you think with the pipes that we have now the net codes should be so much better yeah. at this point. But uh, in, well, I mean, go ahead. Uh, oh, all, all I was going to say is the uh, the main reason our land group uh, did not also did not move on to other games is because after COD 4, or at least COD World at War, and later on in that, everyone started moving to always online and we will not release your own server code. Because we ran our own servers. We had an in-house server to run all our games. But when all those games started saying, no, 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 you have to rent a server from from us or you have to have uh, internet connection to do these, we couldn't play those games because all we had was a uh, Verizon DSL line running from the house out to the barn. And so, <laughs> so awesome. uh, only in Lancaster, so, right? You're gaming in the barn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, look, man, it's always great to talk to a fellow central Pennsylvanian. Uh, thanks for the call. Right. Very insightful. And I hope you call back on a future episode. You did great. All right. Thank you. Take care, man. Have a good Saturday. You too. All right, the show's getting off to a great start. We had two great calls already. Uh, if there's anybody who would like to call in about a different genre other than RTS, we'll take one more call on this topic before we move on. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I am from central Pennsylvania, a little town called Carlisle. And our last caller is from Lancaster, which is about a 30, 40-minute drive from my hometown. Uh, we used to go out there all the time. For There used to be a skate park there called Lip the, uh, Rip the Lip. Uh, we go there to skate, and we used to go to shows at a club there called the Chameleon Club. It was the only club in central Pennsylvania uh, that had alternative indie and punk bands that would play there regularly. So I've spent a ton of time in Lancaster, and again, great to have a fellow central Pennsylvanian uh, get in on THS. So I'll give you a couple minutes here if anybody else has a genre that they feel like needs a, a remake, a workover. Uh, needs the script flipped, call in and we'll get you on the show. Otherwise, we're going to jump on to the next topic. And once again, thanks to everybody who called in. Um, all right, we're not getting any more calls. Let's move on to the next. Oh, here we go. Keith McCain is coming in. Hopefully this guy has a has some video. We'll see. <coughs> Keith, welcome to THS. It's Shane here. And Keith does, in fact, have video. I love you, man. <laughs> hey, Shane, how's it going? Good, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. You're, you're more than welcome. Also, um, you may know me by your uh, nemesis of McWomble from the first series of um, NFL Sifty Fancy League. I do remember you very well. You've actually been in the league for two years now. How are you doing, man? 
Um, great. Uh, it's Saturday night here, but I just thought it was a, genres that need an update. Telltale story games. <laughs> oh my god, they need an update. Are you talking about uh, the adventure genre in general, or are you talking about just Telltale specifically? Just Telltale specifically. And the reason I'm not talking about the adventure genre in general is because I've literally just finished playing... Um, Okay, point and click, which is slightly different, but Broken Sword Five, and oh That's... my god, that game is hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Do you there think is no way that? I would... Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day before strategy guides and and things like that. It was those games were tough. Like if you didn't have a friend who was playing some of those point and click games, you could literally get stuck for like weeks on some of those games where you just be like, I can't solve this puzzle. I have no idea what to do. I have no one to ask. There's no internet to find the answer. I mean, this is, you know, point and click is something that's been around from the very beginning, even if you start talking about games like Myst. Um, and you're just, you were just kind of left out there hanging like all on your own. Yes, um, I really like uh, the old LucasArts point and click games. And it's something that really needs to be reimagined and I'm really disappointed that no one's doing that um, I one of my favorite gaming memories is playing through full, full throttle did love you play the uh, the remaster that just came out not long ago I love it you I played the, it again um, that was my first uh, PlayStation platinum trophy your first ever you know what I don't have yeah. a si I don't have a single platinum trophy not one. And the the voice work in that, I mean, Mark Hamill is his voice work is unsurpassed, and he's absolutely brilliant in that. Um, but the Telltale games, oh my God, please, for the love of a new engine, <laughs> just do something. Did you play um, uh, what we're seeing right now, Telltale Batman? Did you see that at all? No, you didn't um, play. I it? played the first episode, and I had a I had a really bad glitch, and I just thought, screw this. I, same for me. Back. I played the first episode and I never went back to it. That was it. And that goes back to um, I absolutely loved the first season of The Walking Dead. Yeah, that me too. Was my game me too. One of the best. I mean, it wasn't my. I. I it's well documented uh, that I had a problem with The Walking Dead being given Game of the Year. The year it was given Game of the Year at uh, at uh, the Spike VGA Awards. Um, for I, me, I didn't at all. I absolutely loved it. It was so engaging. And um, at the time, I could forgive the graphical infidelity and the lack of engaging gameplay. I know you and I are slightly different in our respect to gameplay. I know you are much more of a gameplay guy. I am much more of a story guy. And I totally respect your opinion. Everyone likes different things. Um, my contention with that game getting Game of the Year, it wasn't that it wasn't focused on gameplay per se. It's that there were other games that came out that year that were more complete. Uh, there were games that came out that had great stories. Granted, not as good as the first scene of The Walking Dead. I mean, that's one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best stories told in games. But there were games with great stories that year that also did a lot of other things really well. Uh, and I felt like they got overshadowed over kind of the hype that was going on uh, for The Walking Dead at that point. And also, you got to remember, the TV show had just kind of launched, and it was a huge thing back then. Now it's like no one really cares, and it's like whatever. 
But back I didn't then, care after series one of the TV show. What did you say? I didn't care after series one of the TV show. I literally had nothing invested in any of those characters. Um, but the the game, the where where I'm coming from in terms of the how Telltale tell the story it's still really engaging it's just so frustrating having to do it in the way in which they've continued to do it they've literally not innovated since the first walking dead game and they haven't seemingly updated the engine because the games look exactly the same they do on new consoles as they do on mobile and you you just can't keep pumping out the same thing with the same glitches and problems and uh, QTEs. How do you how do you propose that the adventure game is revived or reworked? Because again, this is kind of like like, like I said before, side scrolling platformers to me are something I've grown really tired of over the years because I've been playing them since like Donkey Kong. Um, and to me, they haven't advanced all that much. Like I said, Kirby Star Allies does that a little bit, and it's kind of getting me reinvigorated in a little bit. But Point and Click has been around just as long as that genre. Maybe not quite as long, but but it's close. Uh, what do you propose that you could do with the genre to kind of make it uh, live again, so to speak? Something that... Oh, also, by the way, Snap. <laughs> Look at that. That is hilarious. We're both wearing <laughs> the same shirts. <laughs> By the way, people, if you're interested in getting a sifted shirt, there are not many left. Um, we don't have many sizes left. There are mostly mediums and smalls, but literally we're down to like our last like 30 shirts. So if you want one of these shirts, you should get on it now if you're a medium or a small. Anyway, go ahead. Um, something that is a similar type of genre that I've really enjoyed is um, Until Dawn. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good example for sure. And um, something that I've spoken about on um, Podcast Reload with um, a couple of other sifters is how you can play that game as if it's co-op. And I know um, other people, so uh, Easy Allies played through, uh, was it Batman? They did it where they did it co-op and they got the community to vote on what choices Batman was going to make. That is a really, really interesting prospect for that. And an extension of that that I've been really enjoying playing with my wife um, is Hidden Agenda. And we've been playing through that story together uh, using PlayLink. And it's been really good in terms of you get through to the end of the chapter and it's like, oh crap, we, we missed out on whatever event that was. Um, or uh, we've, I think we've played through it four times now. We've come through four different endings. Um, so we want to go back and keep going back. So it's that kind of thing that makes the, the adventure genre a bit more interesting to me than this kind of I'm going to walk through a forest and click on a tree and look at a tree. <laughs> Have you found that she's more receptive to playing games if the game uses her phone as a controller? Um, no. My, no. my wife is a, a kind of old-school gamer from back in the day. She, okay, wow. Well, you, um, you got a winner, bro. <laughs> she, 
Yeah, she she will kill me on some Genesis games, or, <laughs> or as we'd say, Mega Drive over here. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but it's really good that we can. There aren't so many opportunities nowadays where you can sit and engage with these kinds of open, open <laughs> um, style adventure topics that you can. Uh, with this type of genre, and I, I and I know people are shitting on the idea of PlayLink and saying it's not proper games. I was like, well, everything's a proper game that agreed. brings yeah, agreed. people into buying games or playing games or getting interested in different genres or new things. So those people can piss off. I agree with um, you because the thing is, it's like maybe they like one type of game or one genre. But once they get into the gaming ecosystem, then opportunities abound for them to discover new to new genres. And next thing you know, they're playing the same games that we're playing. So I don't begrudge yeah. anyone who plays anything. I don't begrudge Pac for playing uh, Candy Crush or his wife for playing Candy Crush. Um, I wish my wife played Candy Crush. You know, I wish I had it. I begrudge playing Candy Crush because he becomes a whale and then makes. <laughs> He doesn't become one. Pack, he is a whale. Pack is a mobile whale, without a doubt. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone for playing any type of game because I always look at it like that's a Trojan horse that can get them into the stuff that we're really into. So um, I'm right there with you on that. In in terms of um, adventure games, this is the only way that it can go for it to get a renewed sense of popularity. I, I, I can't see a an, an next iteration of Telltale story games unless they rebuild their engine and unless they re- rebuild their gameplay mechanics. You mean actually create some gameplay mechanics? <laughs> <laughs> you have to have them first before you can rebuild them, right? <laughs> yeah. Is it, well, yeah. Walk over here. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I actually tried to play the last season of The Walking Dead and I literally played 10 minutes and I got to this scene where there was like a zombie crawling towards me and all these prompts started popping up on the screen and I failed it and I was like screw this and I literally that in that moment turned it off and never went back and played it again. So I feel your pain, man. Like I feel like that genre definitely needs an overhaul. I mean, when I am getting more excited over remasters of games that are like 20 years old than I am over the new releases, then yeah, like I, I'm not a fan of the walking simulator at all. Uh, I've tried a couple of those and I've tried the ones that everyone says are so great and amazing and they're just boring to me. I just can't get into it again. I don't begrudge anybody who likes that stuff that they're just not for me. So I'm, I'm there with you, man. I, I really think that, uh, that is a genre that really needs an overhaul to remain relevant as we go forward. Yeah. All right, right. McWomble. Thanks very much. Great call, man. Thanks for calling in. All right. So several great calls on that topic. Thank you, guys. You guys did an excellent job. Let's move on to the next one. Um, Oh, wait. We got got someone else calling in. Let's get him in here. We got Matthew Kane. Matthew Kane, welcome to THS. Hey, thank you for having me. No problem, man. What's going on? How's your Saturday going? Uh, pretty good. A um, little hungover, but uh, <laughs> doing doing all right. That's what Saturdays are um, for, nursing that hangover. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I guess my thoughts on the matter um, are going to need a qualifier. So okay. do we consider roguelikes to be uh, a genre unto themselves? That's a good question, actually. Um, we have not added roguelikes as a genre on Sifted that people can sort their content by. It has been a question right. ever since the site launched as to whether we should or not. And what we end up doing is, because roguelites, a lot of time they're just combining parts of other genres into a current genre. And so what we end up doing is we end up tagging all of those genres onto that piece of content so people can still kind of find it. But yeah, we have not technically deemed roguelite a genre on uh, on the site. So my thoughts on the matter were, like, um, Ken Levine a couple of years ago did his GDC talk about narrative Legos. And so kind of what roguelikes do for, um, you know, top-down shooters or for, like, platformers and things like that, I think it would be interesting, uh, like what McMobile was saying, you know, like, adventure genre needs a bit of a refresh. If you could have sort of the narrative Legos along with... Um, you know, that aspect where it's a new story every time or, like, a reworking of the story each time and not just branching paths. I think that would be interesting. For the sake of people who are watching who may not be familiar with roguelites, explain to them what it is. So, basically, um, the levels change. Uh, there may be some persistent elements, like um, upgrades and things that you get uh, over time. But, essentially, it's new every single time that you play. Um a couple of games that I really like, uh, Sublevel Zero, which is basically Descent, um, just reworked into the roguelike formula, so the levels change every single time. Um, Ziggurat is another good one. It's like an yeah. old-school uh, shooter. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think probably an easy way to define it is, is games that generally have some form of procedurally generated or randomly generated elements. Is that fair? Yeah, that's and a good could, way to put it. I and think. it could be levels, it could be branching story paths, a lot of different things. Right, yeah. So how does that relate to our topic, though? I mean, again, it kind of... I know, I guess it is the topic, isn't it? it the, the roguelite is, a, is an easy way to innovate across any genre, I guess. Yeah, I think it's one, it's one way that uh, developers can use to try and refresh stuff, you know, like... Uh, FPSs, adventure games, if you have those random elements and it's going to be different for players every time that they play, um, I think it also endears itself to um, you know, the whole Twitch culture and people streaming and watching other people play. Because if you're watching somebody play a game that you like, but it's totally different than when you experienced it, you know, it adds that extra uh, dimension and element to it. Yep. I'm right there with you, man. I do not play a ton of roguelites. Um, I don't know what it... I think a lot of times when you have games that have randomly generated everything, a lot of stuff just ends up looking the same. Um, I think the last game that I played that had those elements was Persona 5, and there's kind of those dungeons that take place down in the sewers. I can't remember what the name of it was. I don't even know if you played Persona 5, but, but, they, I, I don't, but yeah. <laughs> they were all randomly generated, and other than like the layouts, they all ended up looking almost exactly the same. And I think that's kind of the danger. You need to make sure that you're getting enough different elements into the mix so that when they're all mixed up, it doesn't end up looking samey, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think XCOM 
uh, is probably a good example of uh, you know the roguelike elements where it doesn't look the same every time. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It has it has the general overall aesthetic, but it does a good job about plugging in the you know different elements to make it look different every time. Absolutely. What is a what is a roguelite on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Do you have one? I don't really. Not right now. Um, that's a good question. I wish I had prepared more. <laughs> it's all good. You did great, man. I, th- I think <laughs> you you kind of answered, and it's glad I'm glad that you called in last because you did kind of ended up answering the question across all genres instead of just one. I mean, that is really a way that you can mix any genre up and make it feel new and different and fresh. So I think you are you hit the nail right on the head. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Great call. All right. So let's let's move on to our next topic. Great job, by the way. Um, we ended up having like a good 30-minute discussion on that topic. That's the type of stuff we want to do here on THS. So the next topic is... Purchase tipping points. So buying a game is a tough decision. Um, There are so many. And in all honesty, with middleware the way that it is these days, um, most games are are pretty freaking good. Uh, And so it can be hard to really decide which games you end up purchasing or which ones you don't purchase. I think a lot of people maybe think about, hey, is there a multiplayer component? Is there something that is going to last me more than a month once I get through the campaign. And in the case of some games, like a Call of Duty or whatever, you can beat the campaign in a single sitting. And if you're not into going back and playing it again on a harder difficulty, um, then that game really has limited value for you. So, And you're not going to play multiplayer. So my question to you guys is, what is it about a game that convinces you to ultimately buy it? Is it a strong single-player campaign that's long? Is it a roguelite, something that's different every time you play it? Is it a strong multiplayer component? Is it just game reviews that convince you uh, to finally plunk down that $60? What is it? Let's get the calls in right now at Sifted Games on Skype, and let me know what is your tipping point? What is it about a game that finally convinces you to spend the $60? And we got Patrick Hicks calling in right now. Right now. Patrick, make sure you put on some headphones headphones. or turn down the volume on your speaker. All right. Patrick, welcome to THS. We can hear you. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Still need to turn down your speakers, though. We're getting getting an echo. Oh, sorry about that. Let me turn on these headphones. We'll give Patrick a sec. One second. All right. Can you hear me? Yep, that sounds great, man. Your audio is perfect now. Okay. Great. All right, I'm ready. So what so what convinces you to finally plunk down your $60 on a game? For a $60 game, uh, for me I'm I'm big into the single players. So something like a Zelda or Horizon, you know, something that I can play for weeks or months because for me with with those kind of games i kind of just uh dabble in them at first like i remember with uh what's the game red dead redemption i i think it took me six months to beat that game (laughs) is that because you just didn't have a lot of time to play it or was just because it was just so huge or you did a lot of side quests side quests i would jump in and just do random things i remember there was this quest where 
actually it wasn't even a quest i'm just riding through the desert and um I, these guys were about to hang this woman right so i i i do my what is it called the dead eye where it goes slow-mo uh-huh and i tried i tried to shoot the rope and i missed and shot her in the face <laughs> so <laughs> i tried to find that moment over and over because you know sometimes those those little uh, uh reenactments you can find them again i yeah. can't find that but but it wouldn't I, I respawn like it, it again. You could you couldn't get it to respawn no, the instance. Oh, that stinks. I, I, I couldn't find that again. So That's kind of cool me, though. I, I, I don't to... mind stuff where you get that kind of one shot deal, and if you screw it up, it's yeah. gone forever. I'm cool with that. Yeah. So I mean, and even with Zelda, man, I would just get in there and just climb stuff and 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 not even do a quest. Do that for 15, 20 minutes, turn it off. So it it I, for me to to spend that much money, there has to be a, a large amount of content i'm not really into the multiplayer so i need to th there need to be unlocks or or just something that's going to keep me going for a while so what and have I, you have you found player. that that open world games generally are the games that you you spend money on stuff like horizon zero dawn red dead things like that yeah yeah i just finished zelda now i have to go back to the witcher 3 because i haven't finished that and then i have to finish horizon and I'm looking forward to Red Dead. So, yeah, I, I love the single player. In fact, the only game that I spent, and I don't even know if it was 60 bucks, uh, Overwatch, that's like the only um, multiplayer game that I play because the content keeps coming and it's free. So, other than that, it's really just single player. What is it about Overwatch? Because, look, you're not alone. I mean, Overwatch is a phenomenon. What is it about Overwatch, other than the fact that you get a lot of free content? I mean, you're still playing a first-person shooter at the end of the day. So what yeah. is it about that game that, is, that has made it different for you uh, to where you're willing to commit your time to it? So for me, th that game, I remember when I would watch previews on YouTube, people playing it, and I was like, well, what is this? I don't really like first-person shooters. But as an artist, the character art and the design drew me in. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. So I'm looking at the... Some guy was previewing the game, and he's just going through the character select, showing off the characters. I'm like, you know what? This looks really cool. So I bought it, and then from there, I just really got into it because it's not like it, – for me, it's not like your typical first-person shooter. It's not. I mean, I, That's I, true. It, it, it has similarities, but it's more – I like the fact that it's hero-based, and they have you know abilities, powers, whatever, super moves, and – well, it's not My like Call of Duty where well. every soldier no. is basically the same except for what, what their loadout is or what character yeah, that they're playing. Because yeah. Yeah. the characters all look pretty much the same. It's like, hey, he, yours, yours has like a helmet and mine has like a baseball cap or whatever. Yeah. And actually, my wife is bigger into that than, than I am. She She's put in probably 60-plus hours on D.Va alone. Wow. You know, yeah. So <laughs> now, now, did your wife play games before you guys got together, or did she start playing games after she met you and, and fell in love with them? I think she may have dabbled in it. Nothing too deep, but it wasn't until we got married and, and she plays them. Like, so we you, were just can, playing, you converted uh, her, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just playing over – I think it's Overcooked with, with the – Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah, a great we multiplayer game. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. So do you think that over – well, obviously the fact that your your significant other plays it is a big deal, and that helps you get hooked into it. But do you think that because you become so hooked on Overwatch that it might open up open your mind to uh, other other genres that you typically don't play very often? You know, I, I've kind of been thinking about the um, – what do you call it? The MOBAs? But yeah. I, I – don't know if I want to get into. I've watched some of those games, and 
I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of tough. I, I, I mainly just stick to uh, open world fighters. Um, I, you know, I wanted to get into the RPG. So with the last generation, I tried getting into Final Fantasy for the first time with Final Fantasy thirteen. Yeah. And it, it, it just turned me off. So now, what is it about MOBAs that uh, has attracted you? I don't know. It looks fun. The the whole multiplayer aspect to it. Like I said, I don't play a lot of multiplayers, but this one, and it has kind of that hero aspect. You know, it, it reminds does, me a little yeah. of Overwatch. I mean, that's where Overwatch so, got the idea from. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it looks it looks fun. So, but I don't know. I don't know. Just watching it, it doesn't look like it's my thing. I, I may try it. I mean, aren't they free to play? Yeah, they are. I will part? say this: be very, very careful. Do you have you ever enjoyed a real time strategy games before? You know, there a long time ago. I don't know what it's called. It was on one of my old PCs. Um, you're basically playing God, and you could have the characters worship you. And if they worship for too long, they would die. <laughs> and you would. Um, <laughs> it was it was weird. I don't know what it was called, but um, other than that, no, I haven't really gotten into them. Because um, I was going to say, if you had tried RTS and you didn't like it, then a MOBA probably isn't a good idea. Because to me, they really, I mean, and I probably should have brought this up a little earlier when someone was talking about sort of innovating in that genre. MOBAs really are kind of the next evolution of the RTS. Um, because you, and you are controlling just one unit and it is character based. But mm -hmm. I, will, I will say this, here's a warning to you. It's, they're very addictive, and they're very. Yeah. The learning curve is really steep, so you have to spend a lot of time on those to get competitive and get good enough at them that you don't mm. just. I mean, literally, your first five or six matches of League of Legends, you're just going to get completely annihilated. So, um, <laughs> okay. tread tread very carefully before you decide to step into that <laughs> realm, because uh, once you get, I mean, that's what happened to me. Like when when I was working on Sifted, like I got to a point where I was like, okay. I'm only going to let myself play one game a day of League of Legends because uh -huh. you have a, it's like any other genre. When you have a bad game, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to end like that. And then you jump right back in. And next thing, you, and those games are long, too. That's another thing about MOBAs is each yeah. match, some matches can last up to like 40 minutes or an hour. So there are no oh, small commitment. Okay. Yeah, there are no small commitment whatsoever. You really got to uh, watch yourself with those. You can get sucked in really easily, and they can literally like take over your life. Yeah, I remember the stories I heard about uh, World of Warcraft back in the day. You know, when people go on raids or, or whatever it's called, and, and let's say someone hops out early, everyone gets mad at them because they're yep. all, they're doing it for hours on end. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, listen, thank you for I, calling in, man. Great call, uh, great conversation, and have yourself a great Saturday. You too. Thank you. All right, take care, man. All right. Wow, you guys are tearing it up today. Great calls across the board from all of you. Okay, we got another call coming in, hopefully with video. Here is Joey Apps, or as you know him from Sifted, Otaps. What's up, Otaps? How's your Saturday going, brother? Yeah, it's good. Saturday evening here, so I've got myself a little beer to drink. Nice. Hey, you're drinking good beer. Bex is one of my favorite beers, man. Ah, uh, yeah, it was, it was on offering Asda, to be fair, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drink anything these days. Um, <laughs> got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> exactly, absolutely. <laughs> so what's going on, man? Uh, what convinces you to buy a game? Yeah, I'm I'm primarily driven to uh, towards single-player games, so I like to kind of shut myself off from... Um, other people interfering. I'll play a multiplayer game, but it has to be with people I know or that I'm familiar with. I don't like to play outside of that kind of circle. Um, 
And cost doesn't really influence me too much. It ultimately comes down to me valuing my time. Yeah. So I have to kind of make a judgment call on, on the quality of the game. Um, not necessarily that it's going to give me 60 hours. And I think, right, for, you know, for 60 bucks, I'm going to get 60 hours of a gameplay. It comes down to, am I going to enjoy um, this experience? And I guess what really actually drives me is reaching a, a conclusion in a game, you know, getting to the end, seeing the end of the story or, or a resolution or whatever it might be. Um, so some of the more bloated games that I played last year, something like Shadow of War, I've really disliked towards the end because it was just so long. It was so it gets drawn grindy out. at the end, too. Absolutely, yeah, and yeah. it really frustrated me because, and obviously, there's like Act Four, there's like the end game, but there's also a cutscene hidden behind that, and I was just like, look, I'm done with this game. I've already done 45 hours. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't bother. I just left it at that and looked up the final <laughs> cutscene. So that's why I mean, we saw, I saw Womble talking about Telltale games earlier. As much as I do have issues with them around the way they work, they're they're good for that, you know, reaching my conclusion need because I can bang out an episode in one night. You know, hour and a half, two hours, reach some sort of satisfaction, and then come back at a later time. So, you're saying basically you need a long single player game before you're willing to plunk down your 60 bucks? Usually, yeah. Very rarely do I partake in anything that's multiplayer only. Um, exceptions being overwatch as we as, as you've just discussed yeah um and destiny something that i got into when the collection come out um either last year or the end of the, or the, well, the late year 2016 but i got into that at the back end and there was a group of us there was six or seven of us that were willing to play through the raids so i kind of gave that a go but really I, I prefer if it has a strong single player component there's something that i can work through and the longer the game, not always the better for me. Not always the better. I like to get to the end of something. Love your beanie, by the way. <laughs> yes. It's yes. pretty sweet. So Insert what, coin. <laughs> so what's your breaking point? How long does a single player need to be before you'll even consider spending the 60 bucks? Oh, 60. Yeah, that's tough. When it's a full price, it, the, the length kind of does play into it. Um, you know what? I mean... I enjoyed the length of something like The Last of Us. That felt that felt almost perfect. That you know, Uncharted Four. As much as I loved it, I thought it was a fantastic game. That dragged a little bit for me towards the end. Really, but, um, really, I'm surprised to hear that. A little tiny bit. It was. I think I, I, I was running it slow to be honest, because it was such a gorgeous game. It, that probably factored into it. But that's you know around the 13, 14 hour mark. I'm happy with that. Anything sub ten, I kind of look at and think uh, I've been stitched up a little bit there. Um, but then again, if, if I play through something and it's it, it really connects me, something like The Last Guardian, that did, I was happy to pay the full price for that because I was so satisfied. As much as Trico was an annoying bastard sometimes, <laughs> I I just loved the experience of that that story and then going through that. So even though it's, it's, it's actually quite a short game, you don't really do a great deal other than trying to you know manipulate him through. I was satisfied with that. So the quality can a outweigh that um, and... That's where things like the Order 1886 didn't have the quality or the length, so that was a, a bad, you know, game for me to go through, really. So you're you're saying your sweet spot is for a single player is anywhere from 15 to 20 hours. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm playing through the Evil Within two at the moment, and that feels like it's going to fall into that sort of category. Um, it's actually a little longer than that, believe it or not. It's uh. uh 
Is it? Yeah, it was for me anyway. I found that game pretty challenging. Um, yeah. I liked it. I, I, I haven't even finished it, but I'm already over 18 hours, I think, in that game, roughly, something like that. Um, and it does not yeah. feel, and I haven't looked to see if I'm near the end, but it doesn't feel like it's near the end. So, yeah, get ready to hunker yeah. down. Uh, I mean, that's one thing I love about Mikami. I mean, you look at his games, the genres that he plays in, typically those games are 10 hours long. But if you look at, like, Resident yeah. Evil 4 or The Evil Within, like, he definitely gives you a lot of bang for your buck. So, um, among other yeah. things that I admire about Mikami, that is another thing. Like, his games are not just these short kind of uh, brief experiences. Yeah, I mean, the difference between The Evil Within 2, I found, for something like Shadow of War, A, it's probably going to be half the length, but just the open world elements sometimes take their toll on me. You know, going from A to B can cost you 15 minutes just trying to get across the map, whereas, you know, I know with Evil Within 2, it has, you know, some kind of small open world elements, which I'm loving. I love the fact they introduced those those parts in it, but it doesn't feel like the, the areas are so big that I'm just wasting time traversing through or, or sitting through load screens fast traveling. Um yeah, something that's a little bit more linear definitely fits me better, i found, over the years. As much as I loved GTA when it first came out and adored Red Dead Redemption and all these open-world games, they've got to be now. I look at them, I think, is is that going to be a good investment of my time? Because I want to finish it. Um, I want to be able to get a satisfying conclusion, but I don't want to do that if it's going to be 70, 80 hours, something like that. Some of it's linear. I'm a little bit more you know, single-minded to do. I don't get distracted. I don't get bored, typically. So you, you're saying you can get too much of a good thing? Is that what you're telling us? Shadow of War is a bad example because I didn't think it was too much of a good thing. I thought it was too much of an average to okay thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I think even the, the even good things for me run run wear thin eventually. Um, it's why I don't tend to go back and replay games after I finish them, even if I loved it. Very, I just, I just don't have the time. I can't do it. I need to move on to the next no. thing. What it actually, well, as I'm talking, I'm figuring out what it is. I like experiencing new things. That's the crux of it. Is that once I've gone through something and you know experienced it, I um, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I'm happy, I'm satisfied. With that let's move on to the next thing and see what that's all about. So really, I think that's where I am. I'm driven from is just looking at you know what's the what's the next sort of game I can can give a go and go through, regardless of genre, regardless if I've played it before. Um, yeah, just getting onto the new thing is something I find. I love that opening part of a game when you're figuring everything out and it's all new and uh, you're kind of just swept away of what's going on with the game. Right on, man. Well, thank you for calling in, Otaps. Enjoy that beer, bro. Have a great Saturday night. You too. Cheers, guys. Take care. All right. You guys are knocking it out of the park today. You guys are doing a great job. I think the show's going great um we already are at the one hour mark so I, I think i need to move the topics on a little more quickly than we have been um but everything you guys have been saying has been great relevant insightful and awesome our best episode of ths this is only our second one but much better than the first so let's move on to our next topic uh rumors have been swirling again that skate four is gonna happen so there were rumors uh the community manager at ea squashed the rumors and now there has been, I believe, a retail listing found in Europe for the game. Um, and now all signs are kind of pointing to the fact that we are probably going to get Skate 4. And the question that I have for you guys is, do you care about extreme sports games anymore? And if you used to like them and you don't care about them anymore, what happened uh, to kind of fall out of love with that genre? And if you do want them to come back, 
then give me an idea of what you can do to that genre to make it interesting or fun again. Uh, get the calls in now at Sifted Games on Skype. Uh, my perspective is I'm someone who played extreme, it did extreme sports. I skated for like 11 years. I snowboarded. Um, so it's this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Joseph I is calling in right now. Joseph, welcome to THS, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Shane? I'm doing pretty good, man. Lazy Saturday afternoon, sitting here talking with my boys, basically. You can't beat that, right? Absolutely. What's uh, what what's up with you? Do you like extreme sports games? Have you ever liked them? I used to like them, uh, actually, when I was when I was younger. Uh, I I was a big fan of the Tony Hawk games back in the day, the original Tony Hawk Pro Skaters and and whatnot. Those yep. were some of the best. I, I remember summer vacations when I would uh, I'd be visiting like my grandma or something, and during the day I'd bring my console over and and uh, I'd just be sitting there playing Tony Hawk with that soundtrack. The soundtrack in those games they're always, always great. great, man. I think Tony Hawk Three was my favorite soundtrack of of the entire series. I still yeah. hear like that uh, Dell the Funky Homo Sapien song in my head all the time. Uh, <laughs> I remember because when I was when that game came out, I was working at GameSpot, and when I worked at GameSpot, I sat right next to Ryan Davis. May he rest in peace, great guy. Um, and he played that game anytime he had like an extra like ninety seconds, he would start that game up, and for whatever reason, that song would always get triggered. It's someone that goes, "You better wash your ass if you must." Do you remember that? I think that's what they were saying. Yeah. Like, I don't even really know if that's what they were saying. That's what that's what I heard anyway. Uh, but it, yeah. ultimately, that soundtrack just ended up getting like permanently embedded into my brain. Uh, to this day, I still and I ended up going and like getting all the tracks off of it, so it's in like my iTunes and all that. So it's just it's become a part of my life. The soundtrack for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. So what do you yeah, think they uh, should do I... with the genre though to to make it relevant and fresh again? Obviously, Tony Hawk Ride was was not a good idea where they used the skateboard peripheral. Um, and then they tried to bring yeah. it back with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, and that was a complete disaster. It was so buggy and a mess. What do you think that they could do to kind of bring the genre back? Because it used to be huge. I mean, Activision had a whole separate imprint for its extreme sports games called O2, I believe it was called. Um, and now it's like they don't even matter anymore. So what what can they do to make them relevant and fresh again? Yeah, that, it's a hard question because, I mean, I, I've long fallen off of off of extreme sports games in terms of my general interest in them. You know, I for me personally, I, I moved on from them the older that I got and realized that there was more, the games were capable of more than just doing crazy tricks and crazy things. Uh, you know, I, I love stories and games. You know, not to go back to the other topic, but that's what I look for in a game is is long single player story driven games. You know, I I know that you think that you know the best video game stories were equal the worst movie stories. <laughs> I've heard you say that before. Yeah. Um, I, I disagree with that to some extent. But you know, so so for me, that's what I look for. And so you know, maybe they could implement some sort of career mode that that drives people to progress in an extreme sports game. Maybe you know, do a, a Tony Hawk's actual career history where you do you compete in the competitions he competed in over his career. That's not a bad idea, actually. I mean, but man, that game would be so big because he, I mean, he has been competing <laughs> since he was like eleven or whatever. Um, and I think he stopped. He's, I guess he stopped competing like five years ago, something like that. Um, he was my hero, by the way, growing up. I mean, 
we used my friends and I we would sit and watch all the Bones Brigade videos literally just over and over and over again like the search for animal chin i think we literally watched like 500 times we knew we had them all memorized we could sit there and just say word for word everything that they said like that whole crew like steve caballero and tony guerrero all of them like christian hasoy that whole era of skateboarding to me those guys are all my heroes still but tony's been doing it so long i mean a game that replicated his career would just be insane how big it would have to be. They'd have to build... I mean, look, he skated so many skate parks that don't exist anymore. Uh, they'd have to rebuild all that stuff. I think it's a great idea. Um, but hey, man, Activision's got the money. Remember, it's Activision Blizzard, after all. And Blizzard yeah. prints money like it's, you know, coming out of nowhere. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but just like uh, a week ago, Tony Hawk went on Twitter and said that his uh, agreement with Activision has been severed and they will not be working together anymore on games. And, I heard something like that, yeah. And I think he was basically sending out the dog whistle to all the other publishers saying, hey, I'm a free agent now. Like, if you guys want to get something going, <laughs> like, let's get together and do it. Um, that would obviously be the perfect opportunity for EA to swoop in and maybe make make it Tony Hawk's Skate 4 or whatever. Did you play the Skate yeah. franchise by any chance? No, I never actually played Skate. I hate Skate, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan of that series well, at I all. It. Um, it is it's it's kind of like um, amped freestyle snowboarding for the original Xbox. It's extremely realistic, but oh, realism in games it real realism doesn't always equal a better video game. And the way the trick sure. system was set up in the old skate games was you just use the two analog sticks. So the left stick handled your ollies and your nollies. So for an ollie, you'd hold back and then flick up. And for an ollie, you'd hold up and flick down. And then the mm -hmm. tricks were controlled by the right stick. And instead of having just like four tricks, so up is one trick, right is one trick, down is another one, there were, tri there were like 16 tricks on the wheel. So trying to do like a nollie nose blunt slide versus a nollie front side or backside lip slide. Like, it was impossible to do the exact trick that you wanted. It was really hard. I mean, I saw people play it that could nail it, but I never could. Um, and then there was, like, yeah. a lot of the missions were just, like, do a backside nollie tail slide down a rail. And I could, I would end up just doing a backside lip slide instead of the tail slide over and over and over. Like, there's no way this should be that hard. I mean, skateboarding is one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I grew up playing... Football, basketball, baseball, soccer, none of those sports were any even in the same league as skateboarding. And the other part about skateboarding, too, was that when you failed, you paid for it with pain, like serious pain. Um, so it, it, Yeah, my it, cousin it, was big into skateboarding when he was younger. So I'm sure he, you probably saw his shins were always shredded. He always had, like, twisted ankles yeah, or broken arms. Good. I mean, I broke my arm four times, twisted my ankle once a month to where it was, like, the size of a, a cantaloupe or whatever. Um Wow. And so that's real skateboarding, but that's not fun when it's in a video game. It's just not. And that was the problem for me with the skate franchise. It was it was so realistic that it just it failed to be fun for me. So um, I would argue against anyone saying that this genre needs to be more realistic for it to come back because I think skate was kind of really the last new entry in extreme sports franchises, so to speak, um, and it wasn't able to save it. So... To me, that points. There's at least some evidence that points to the fact that more realism in the genre isn't probably the answer. 
you know, it's kind of like what you were saying on, um, I think it was the game face with Brent where you're talking about Forza being like the best driving game, but driving games haven't really done very much because you're always just, you're just driving. Yeah. You know, I think that extreme sports games are very similar to that because you're always just doing the sport. I mean, unless you can refine controls to make it just feel good, you know, all you're going to do is make it look better. So to, to me, the question is, what do you do to, to change it up? You know, and I think that adding some sort of story career or, or you know, having co-op obviously is, is always an important thing in that kind of uh, game. You know, it, it's it's one of those genres that it's so hard to think of what you can do to innovate it, to, to, to make it worth bringing back, to make it worth playing. You know, at its time, it might have been fun because, oh, wow, look at all these things that I can do with, on this new hardware 3D and polygons exist and all yeah. that. But nowadays... Yeah, so you don't have that built-in like thing anymore that can get people hooked. It's not like, oh my gosh, I played Tony Hawk on my PlayStation and now I'm playing it on the on my Xbox One and it looks it th- that that whole selling point is gone now. And we're never going to get yeah. leaps like we used to get with each new generation of hardware. Um so yeah, you're right. That it's very hard to just sell a game on how it looks anymore. It has to play differently. And I think your original idea was right on the money. I think Playing through a career of Tony Hawk's life would be absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if you remember or not, but the last couple Tony Hawk's did try to include a story. And it was, it did not work out well. Because most of the script was just like, yeah, brah, yeah, bro, yeah, let's go rip it. Let's, oh, dude, you're so shredding. Like, it was just, it was so banal. It was, it was, it, it, as someone. have never skated before writing a skating story. It was, yeah, you're right. Because they're like, oh, this is how these guys talk. They use gnarly, like every other word. And like, that's not how it is. And, and yeah, I mean, there has to be some people like me who skated for 10 or 12 years, who's a great writer and, and writes, you know, fiction mm-hmm. and could write a great story for that. But for some, whatever reason, Activision could never find that person. And the stories in the Tony Hawk games were always just terrible. So um, well, I think the idea know, is right. They need to find the right people to execute it. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the things that I'm just thinking about now, I haven't thought about in a long time, is one of my favorite extreme sports games that when I was a kid was actually the Rocket Power one. Do you remember the Rocket Power game that was on PS2? I think, do you remember the show Rocket Power? It was a Nickelodeon show. I remember the name. I never watched it. I think I was maybe a little too yeah. old. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I'm, yeah, I, I wasn't. That was right That was right around the time that I was that was a kid when it was on. And so um, I watched it as a kid. And so I got this Rocket Power game. And basically, at any point in like the open exploration, you could switch between skateboarding uh, and rollerblading. And uh, there was a point, I think, that you could switch to one other thing. I think you could walk around at some point. Like, you could do two or three different extreme things just in an open you know an open setting and then there was a whole story mode behind it that you were like have to use those those tricks and abilities and the skating to accomplish the story it was actually integrated into it so what you're what you're saying is that that's kind of a hidden gem and maybe people need to uh go back and dig that out i'm sure they can probably find it for like 50 cents at at this point from from used game stores yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I loved that as a kid. You know, get, I was never super into extreme sports. I did Tony Hawk, like I said, but this was a good mesh of, of the two styles where I was like, oh, this is a really interesting story. And I get to skate around and do tricks and you got points for doing tricks. And, you know, it just all sorts of awesome stuff that, that you don't find in games with, with you know, a uh, narrative very often. All right. Well, thank you for your call, man. Great job. Have yourself an awesome Saturday night. Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which means you can do pretty much anything you want. (laughs) All right. You have a good one. Take care, man. Thanks for calling. Of course. 
Y'all are knocking it out of the park today. Great calls, steady calls. This is what this show is all about. It's good to see the concept working with you guys. Uh, I think you guys are having a good time. I think Saturday works well, too, because everyone's kind of off doing their own thing. We have another call coming in from Deus Zero. What's up, man? Welcome to THS. What's going on, Shane? What's going on, man? How's your Saturday going? Uh, pretty good now that I'm on the show. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh, Today's going much better. I try, We try to do a second episode during the week, and uh, I guess in hindsight that was really stupid because obviously people are working and are going to school or whatever. I think this, uh, this Saturday slot's working out a lot better. Uh, people seem to be having a good time interacting, so thanks for calling in, man. What's your take on Extreme Sports Games? Uh, with with the last show, I got home just as you tweeted, you were killing the show. And I was like, oh, I missed it. That sucks. <laughs> it's all good, man. No, it's uh, it's tough during the week. So I think we'll probably stick with this Saturday thing going forward. But anyway, the, what, what's your take, man? The thing he made me think of, those uh, Jet Grind Radio. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That was a great, you know extreme sport game because it kind of it had its own weird silly story it had that crazy art style it was a good you know game and just you don't have games like that anymore we saw a skate where extreme sports went to be more realistic rather than being the goofy fun, fun arcade <laughs> games i think they are kind of more meant to be because you know what was the best part about uh, tony arc 2 it was playing as spider-man on the god level with no gravity on and you did like 60 1080 kickflips off the ramp or something you know it's yeah, just yeah absolutely stupid and fun so you think that and, extreme sports need to go back to a more arcade-style design? I just don't know where you can innovate with doing sim. I mean, you have Steep as probably the most recent example of someone trying to do a full-on sim extreme sport game. And it's an okay game. I don't know where that game really has its biggest drawback, but... You know, just pieces of it are okay, but all together, it wasn't a great game. I mean, I think Ubisoft is still trying to push it and trying to make, you know, steep something, but it didn't really go where they wanted it to, I don't believe. Yeah, I think the problem for for steep is that it was all winter sports. Um, and, it, I mean, the timing kind of worked out because they did, like, DLC for the Olympics and things like that. And uh, I think in maybe in that way, that was part of their master plan. But it didn't have skateboarding in it. It only had snowboarding, and then it had like, um, like squirrel suit flying. Is there a proper name for that? Actually, I think there is. Base jumping, I guess, is what it's called. Base jumping, the wingsuits. Uh, it it was fun in the fact that they did give you the ability to just kind of do whatever you want. But I remember playing in the beta, and then playing in the uh, like Xbox Open Weekend of the game you know it's just whenever you actually start going into and trying to do the story that's when you lost interest in that game because that you know the, the fun thing to do was be like hey i bet you i could jump off that rock and do something really cool but what you end up needing to do in the challenge is fall like a very specific pattern or a very specific path and i was like i that's not what i came here to do you know the draw of an extreme sports game is to do something you can't do in real life I mean, you know, I think you can relate to that a little bit because you know what it takes to skateboard. Yep. You don't want to play a skateboarding game that is actual skateboarding. You could just grab a skateboard and go do it. Maybe not now because, you know, we're getting on in our ears. And <laughs> oh, no, I can still do it. Things. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm still a shredder. Oh, I can't. I can't. 
I look at a skateboard, my ankles hurt. That's all there is to it. Well, I'll tell you what. The last time – I still have a skateboard, actually. And the last time I went skating, I skated across the street to get groceries. And I ended up buying more than I should have bought. So I had two plastic bags full of groceries. And I'm skating back, and I'm right in front of our apartment complex. And the skateboard hits like a crack in the sidewalk and just stops instantly. And the weight of the groceries – Launch, and instead of letting go of them, I kept a hold of them. And so the weight of the groceries just launched me off my skateboard. I probably flew five feet and landed right on my elbow. And I think I, like, broke my arm. I never went to the doctor. I had to sleep sitting up for three days because my arm hurt so bad. And now if I twist my arm a certain way, it just, like, kills. Like, I definitely should have, like, went to the doctor, but I didn't. And I have not stepped on that skateboard since. Because when you get old, you get brittle. And uh, once you get brittle, man, and you get injured, it takes a long time to heal. So, yeah, I think my yeah, uh, yeah. I think my skating days are uh, are over, unfortunately, because I, I I do kind of miss the feeling that you would get from skating, like trying to trick like 20, 30, 40, in some cases like 100 times, and then finally landing it, it, getting in, landing that trick, that feeling of exhilaration. That's why you see on skate videos a lot of times you see like the skaters just put their hands up in the air. Because there's that's the natural reaction that you get. It's just like it, you don't think about it. It's just total and complete exhilaration when you finally do something you've tried like a hundred times. So um, I miss that, um, and I think that's why I bought a skateboard because I started remembering what it felt like, and it ended up being a huge mistake. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I think my days are over. To Ian was saying that about the skate series. You know, you were saying the controls weren't good. He was like, "No, man, that was a great thing because you, when you finally got the trick down, when you finally figured out how to do it right, I was like, yeah, great.' And it's like that was probably what they're trying to capture is that feel Absolutely. of doing it in real life." actually figuring it out but i think in game form if you're if you're like me and you want to you know be able to pick up the controller push buttons and something happen that's what tony hawk did great because i mean yeah. it was a music rhythm game or a fighting game almost yeah. in the way you just push buttons and now you're doing a backflip through a plane of gas and collecting the what was it vhs tape or whatever yeah, yeah. it's just you know all the great fun things you could do and look, I, I agree that the, it's a fine line to walk between trying in a, in a video game anyway, trying something a multitude of times and finally getting it. I'm okay with that stuff like later on in the game when the game's supposed to ramp up and get more challenging. But when you're on like the third objective in the entire game and you try it like 80 times and can't ever land it, like that's where they needed to kind of dial that back a little bit. And maybe they would do that with that's a new skate. I don't know. Um, that's but... kind of the uh, Dark Souls breaking point, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> you right. Just that's hit good... that point where it's like, if you haven't figured it out by now, you figure you're not going to make it to the rest of this game. It's time to hang it up. Yeah, and I mean, again, I've been very vocal about the fact that I'm not a huge fan of the Soul series or Bloodborne. So maybe it's just me, and I just don't like games where I have to keep doing the same thing it's over and over. It's not just you, because I'm the same way. Oh, all wow. my friends are like, oh, you, you love Dragon Age. High five, Kinder Spirit. RPGs. You're going to love... <laughs> Dragon Dark Souls, and I tried to play it, and like I don't even remember where it was I got. I think I was lost in the f opening forest or whatever it was, and this monster just kept killing me, and yeah. I kept trying to kill it back, <laughs> and just dying and going back to that campfire over and over again. My friend's like, "No, you need to time your roll better," and it's like, I just want to push the button and kill the dude. Well, no, it's like, why do, do the, the game RPGs. tell me that? Like, why do I need someone sitting next to me to tell me that? Why does the game tell me that or communicate that to me in some way? I mean, 
I don't think it's that too much. I think I just, a lot of games have that problem not communicating what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment for sure. So, um, yeah, I think after this discussion, we figured out that maybe there's just no saving extreme sports games, and maybe that's why they've gone away because there are people who get paid a lot more money than us to try to figure out how to revive that stuff, and I just don't think that they found a way to do it yet. I, I don't think so because... You know, Ubisoft tried the open world, and I don't think that worked. And I don't know how you do that with, you know, ground-based extreme sports because they want to throw in the whole variety thing. And, right. you know, can you really mix a skateboard game with a BMX game or something? Because it just – I don't know if it would mesh well because having universe control set for all of that just would not be easy to pull off. Yeah, all the disciplines are way too different. You'd have to have a separate control scheme for each one, and that – really never ever works <laughs> uh all no. right well thank you man for your call have a great saturday and a great saturday night appreciate the the Keep call man great, great work, job Jane. thank you man appreciate it all right the show's going great saturday is definitely the key so we're going to move on because we're now sitting at almost two and a half hours or an hour and a half for the show um, we still have a few topics left, so let's move it forward. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to kind of chime in on topics that we discussed on Game Face. Uh, obviously, Matt and I get to sit there and just talk, and it's very hard for you guys to uh, to kind of counteract our opinions or our takes on stuff. Um, and one of the things we just discussed yesterday in Game Face 119 is the first year of the Nintendo Switch. Um, its anniversary is coming up very soon. It's been a first year. Um, it's been a full year. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to watch the show yet, I guess I'll give you the Cribnodes version. I thought Nintendo did a great job in the first year, and so did Matt, honestly. Matt is obviously not as big a proponent of the Switch when compared to me, um, but I ended up giving Nintendo an A for the first year, uh, which I hardly ever hand out A's. I don't know if you've watched much Game Face or when we grade press conferences from E3, but I'm pretty stingy with those grades, and I feel like Nintendo got an A for the Switch. So give us a call at Sifted Games on Skype. Give us your impressions of the Switch from the first year. And look, you don't have to have owned it. You can just be an innocent bystander, somebody who watched it. Um, and let us know what you think of how the Switch's first 12 months have gone. Here's Keith McCain coming in to talk to us about the Nintendo Switch. He is back, McWomble. Do you even have a Switch, McWomble? Um, you know what? I was this close to buying one and then didn't. So explain to us why you didn't. And the thing for me is there's just not enough. Uh, the, the multiplicity of games from Nintendo isn't there. Literally, there are... Well, there's one game I definitely want to play. It's Mario Odyssey. There's one game that I might want to play that is Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Uh, there's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, yep. and then there's nothing really. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're not a, a fan of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I guess. Do you um, like, do you like JRPGs? I should, really, I should really make an omission, and this is one thing that I was going to ask on Ask Shane in terms of do you have any gaming confessions my gaming confession is I have never owned a Nintendo console. What? Other than the original Game Boy. 
All right. Oh wait, hold on a second. I'm I'm bringing you back on the screen here for this, man. Like, wait, wait a minute, dude. You've never owned a Nintendo console, other than the original Game Boy. Wow. I've never owned a Nintendo console. Why is that? Um, and I think it, it's because when when I was at uni, um. My, one of my um, dorm mates had an N64, and we came the crap out of uh, Goldeneye. Um, and you never, uh, it never convinced you to go buy your own N64. Nope, never. Wow. I'm, if I'm on, if I'm honest, I, n I never had the, um, I never had the money to do that myself. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, ever since, the the value proposition has never been there for me. Meaning and there just weren't enough games that you that you liked to make it worth buying. Absolutely not. Yeah, and the the same thing with the Switch now. Um, I've had this debate with um, myself and actually my wife for the last week because um, it was my birthday a little while ago, and I was absolutely adamant. A couple of days up up until a couple of days beforehand, I was going to go and buy a Switch. And then did she convince you not to? No, she didn't. Absolutely not. I I actually convinced myself not to because I think can can I really afford to spend three hundred pounds? What's that? Three hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, that's roughly. probably more than that. Actually, I think the pound is yeah, tough against the dollar. Yeah, not not that much. Um, so is, is, right, you've got the Splatoon footage running at the moment, don't care. Yeah, um, I'm trying to convince you to get a Switch, because I, I doubt you've ever played Splatoon. No, I, I, no, I wouldn't have done, I would, so, and this is the other thing, I've, I've never played a Zelda game. Wow! <laughs> Holy cow, man, uh, you've been missing out! Yeah, it's a, even it, with it's this a, new like a... open world action RPG design, it still didn't convince you. Do you like action RPGs like The Witcher and stuff? Yeah, I do. Um, and all those perfect tens, all those Game of the Year awards, it didn't oh, convince they can you. All... <laughs> is it, is it, is it, this is this is a family show, right? So I can't swear. <laughs> you can um, swear, absolutely. You guys can swear on THS. Um, all all those perfect tens can go fuck themselves for all I care. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, and um, maybe, maybe if they started throwing Yakuza games on them, or, or not, as uh, Mr. Brostaki would say. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. There just isn't the value proposition there for me at the moment. Well, if, you, as, if you're not interested if, in Nintendo first-party games, there's no reason to own a Nintendo console. I mean, it's, the third-party support on Nintendo consoles is so bad. It's like... Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're not into Nintendo stuff, although I would argue that if you haven't played a Zelda ever, then you don't know whether you're into Nintendo games or not. Have you ever played a 3D Mario game? Like Super Mario 64? Yes. Okay, you have. Yeah. All right. Played Mario 64, loved it. And this is one of the things. Is it, uh, Mario Odyssey looks absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I am really excited about playing that game. Am I excited enough to spend three hundred pounds? Yeah, I can get that. But I think is the question. 
I think what you need to do is you need to find a friend who has a Switch and borrow it for like a week. Um, figure out if it fits into I know, your... I know no one. I, I'm, I, I am probably the biggest gamer out of everyone I know, and I know no one who owns a Switch. Wow. And I'm really, I'm really surprised at that. Literally no one I know has even thought about buying a Switch. That's surprising to and me. So where are all the sales coming it, from in the UK? <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the big it's the biggest selling console. It's the fastest selling console in the UK since Christmas. Right. And no one I know owns one. Interesting. That's crazy. I, I was not I did not think that that would be the case. Uh, at this point, I figured most of the core gamers are pretty saturated. Now it's going to start kind of filtering out to the more casual folks who want one. But maybe in the UK, it just started out with the casual folks. Boston. I don't think it did. I think no? it started out in the, exactly the same way as it started out everywhere else, which is the hardcore Nintendo fans. Um, but so I, what would it I, take? What would it take for you to buy one? I mean, this first year of the Switch has it. It sounds like it almost convinced you to get one. Like you're about to pull the trigger. Yeah, and I think it would have to be one more game. Like a, a new a original IP, or what about Metroid Prime 4? Do you think that might put you over the top? It might. Um, it, it might be that. Or it would have to be a price drop to the value of. Where would it need to drop before you would think about uh, getting one? So, probably another game value. So, what would that be at the moment? Uh... Forty-five pounds, so another sixty dollars. So if they dropped the price fifty bucks, you would buy one. Probably, yeah. Wow. Okay. But that I can't. Made, it, I, don't I don't see that happening, though. I don't see that. I don't. Gonna happen. It's selling way too well right now. Like maybe <laughs> this Christmas they drop it fifty bucks, but. They'd be dumb to. I mean, if it, if it continues selling at the rate it's selling right now through the rest of the year, Nintendo would be idiots to drop the price. There's just no reason to. Yeah. I mean, generally, that's what they give, do when sales start a, slowing down a little bit. Just to give you a list of reasons why I'm not thinking about it, I could get a uh, PS4 controller, uh, Dragon's, Crown Pro, Dragon's Crown Pro, which I could play through with my wife, Spider-Man, um, uh, God of War. I mean, that's always going to be the argument with not buying another console, though, is the games yeah. that you could use that money to buy. I mean, that's always... Yeah. There's going to have to be something that gets you over the hump, ultimately, though. Yeah. I think I've exhausted myself. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get someone else in. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man, for calling in. And I'll be interested. Uh, maybe if you finally pull the trigger, you can jump back on THS and, and let us know that you did it and what games you bought with it. Will do. All right, man. Have a great Saturday. You too. All right. So let's hear from somebody else. Let's hear from somebody who actually does have a Switch and what, what their impressions are of it. Here we got Evan P. calling in. Evan, what's going on, brother? Welcome to THS. Uh, what's up, man? Sorry, let me uh, let me cut this this uh, video on. Hey, what's going on, Shane? 
What's going on? We got we're getting a lot of calls on this one. Uh, so be patient, guys. We'll get to all of you. Uh, just wait till I wind down with Evan, and uh, we'll be ready to switch to another call. But uh, Evan has been a great supporter of Sifted since day one. Uh, I just want to. One, one, I'm just glad that you're on a show that we're doing. So welcome to THS. And two, I just want to personally thank you for everything that you've done for Sifted. So you're awesome. Um, the, he's, he's the stand user on the site, one of our great users. So welcome to THS, man. What's your uh, impressions of the first year of Switch? So this is an interesting one for me because I, you know, I just watched Game Face. And um, I was actually a bit surprised that you guys were so, especially Matt, he seemed a bit lukewarm on the Switch in general over the over the last year. But you guys both came out really, really positive on it. And um, uh, by the way, I just got my Switch in October. Um, and while I think, and I, I'm a lot higher on Breath of the Wild and Mario, well, you really like Mario Odyssey. I'm, I'm really high on those games. I think they're like, Breath of the Wild is one of the best Zelda games ever. I think Super Mario Odyssey is the best Mario game ever. Um, but even with that, I you just like think You like Odyssey better than the Galaxy games. Oh, God, totally. I Really? I I hate motion controls so much uh, that... <laughs> I, I You're like Matt in that, they, in that just, way. Yeah, it just really, really hurt those games for me. And I only played those games just last year. Uh, through backwards compatibility on the Wii U. Uh -huh. uh, I think they're great games, um, but just the motion controls really, really hurt those games for me. Um, they're still good, though, uh, obviously. But, um, yeah, like, I like my Switch, but I remember I got it. And, okay, I'll say this. The only reason I actually bought a Switch is I have a friend who works at Nintendo, and he chucked me a Switch and a Pro Controller for $200. Wow. So <laughs> I got really, really you got lucky. hooked I got up. <laughs> I got hooked up. Yeah, um, he gave it to me, and then like a month later, I was like, "Dude, I haven't paid you for this yet. How much do you want?" And he just like made up a number. He's like, "Um, two hundred dollars." I was like, "Are you are you kidding me?" <laughs> yes, yes, take my Winner. money. Yeah, that is a deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so otherwise, I don't think I would have bought one yet. And I think a lot of people, like being a Nintendo fan, like, hey, I I'm a Nintendo fan. I have, I bought Both. these bad boys. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm I'm right there with uh, everyone else, but I think I'm like a lot of Nintendo fans, or at least lapsed Nintendo fans, that yeah. I was just sitting on the side for a bit, and uh, you know, Breath of the Wild came out. I played that on the Wii U, and so I was waiting for games. Like I don't like Splatoon. I'm not a multiplayer guy, and pretty much every third-party game you can get out there is on the PlayStation 4 with trophies, and that's a huge yeah. deal for me. Really, trophies are that big of a deal for you? Yeah, I just. Are I, you a trophy hunter? Gonna, uh, I have like fifteen or sixteen platinums, maybe, but I, I, don't, I don't really Not like. Bad. You know, I have none, so you're well, well yeah, ahead of me. Well, yeah, it's just one of those. I, it, it, I, I call them. If a game's PP, it means platinum potential. I'll, I'll <laughs> check the trophy. If a game's PP, I'll check the trophy list. It's like this isn't going to kill me. I'll try for the platinum. Otherwise, I'll skip it over. But uh, getting back to the switch. Uh, so I got it. I bought. I got my Switch the same day Super Mario Odyssey came out. I played that for a month, and then it sat there for like two months because I had already played Breath of the Wild um, on the Wii U. And like, there's just I'm looking at these games. It's like third-party games. I can buy these on the PlayStation Four. And um, yeah, I don't think there's I anyone who can argue against that with third-party. I mean, look, it's not even just trophies. It's 
the online environment on PlayStation or Xbox. It's the graphical fidelity on PlayStation and Xbox. It's having a community full of people to play with when you do go online. And I mean, there's just there's a thousand reasons why anyone would play third-party stuff on PlayStation or Xbox. So I don't think anyone's going to be grudgy for that. But I am kind of surprised that you haven't dug a little bit deeper into the Switch's catalog. You have? Have you tried Splatoon 2 at all? I don't like online multiplayer anything. It's just not the genre for me. So uh, have you, well, Did I you play like, the first I, Splatoon? Have you ever tried Splatoon at all? Man, I've never, I've how, about, how about this? <laughs> Go. You're, you're in Tokyo, right? Uh, no, I'm in uh, uh, Kyoto. Okay. Go to a used game store and just go buy the first Splatoon for like five or ten bucks. It's okay. And play it. Um, you know, okay, here, here's another thing, though. That game is not $10. Like, if I go to this, like, I've been I've been eyeing Yoshi's Woolly World for months. It's like still, uh, well, you know, if you want to translate it to US dollars, it's still like $35 used. So that's another reason that keeps me away from playing switch games is just there's just no say you know like i like going back to what you're talking about how, how much games cost or what 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 it What's takes for you to buy a game point, full price yeah. yeah it's just i see these games like 35 dollars for a game that came out in 2012 like, are you kidding me well look nintendo like, I, is notorious this game's very first of all nintendo rarely if ever discounts its games on its own and two, the resale value for Nintendo games are insane. Do you guys have, uh, does eBay work in Japan? Yeah, yeah, it, might, it works. You might uh, be able to find the first Splatoon for cheap on there. That's probably true. Also, for some reason, like, Yahoo, Yahoo Auctions is really big in Japan. Probably more so than eBay, so I could probably find it on Yahoo Auctions. Um, Alright, well, maybe I'll take you up on the challenge. Uh, well, okay, so... You're talking about Splatoon 2, right? Yeah. So we have Breath of the Wild, we have Odyssey, we have Splatoon 2. Like, what do we have? Arms? Arms. I just, Xenoblade, I, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a big, massive JRPG fan from, from back in the day. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, from what I heard Matt say about the game, I'm just not really interested. Uh, I think the only game I'm... I, I just bought Bayonetta 2. Yeah. Uh, insanely overrated I think uh, I just beat it I think that game is not worth full price speaking of tipping points but wow I'm interested I'm, to uh, hear that wait, wait let's rewind here so sorry sorry. look that is that is a, a a different perspective that is one of those games that just universally everybody says is oh the God. bee's knees what's your issue with uh, Bayonetta 2 All right, uh, so I'll bring it back a little bit one thing I love to do is once I beat a game, I'll go back and watch the game face where you and Matt talked about it. I just love hearing, because I, I, I tend to play games months after they come out. I buy tons of stuff on sales. So I, I like to remember like what, what you what your guys' takes on it. Uh -huh. So after I beat Bayonetta 2, I went back and then I watched like GameSpot and IGN and all the reviews on it. It's like a 10. Oh man, where do I begin? So, well, one <laughs> thing is I'm not a fighting, I'm not a fighting game fan. Okay. Um, so the idea of like um, having to learn a, a complex combo system is just not something that I'm into uh, because, like, I, I like. So you're not a fan of Devil or... May Cry either, I'm guessing. <laughs> no. So in interestingly enough, I 
didn't play any Devil May Cry games. I did play DMC, and I liked that game a lot. Because it was and westernized. I, it was different from all the uh, other ones. You know yeah. what? You're probably right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one thing I liked about it is it taught you how to use the combo system. So when you started out in the beginning of the game, it's like, okay, these enemies, you can pretty much mash on the button and kill them. And then the next one is, okay, this is the this is the tank. You have to break his... Um, his guard or whatever. Break his shield. Yeah. Yeah, you know, break his guard. And, okay, these are the flying enemies. You have to use your chain attack. And it, it slowly taught you how to use all of these complex combo systems to where mid-game, it's just ingrained in your in your mind that, okay, I do this for this enemy, I do this for this enemy. Bayonetta doesn't teach you any of that stuff. It gives you the base of how the controls work. Like, literally, during the tutorial, it's like press X to shoot your weapon and you press x and it's like okay good moving on it's like well wait a minute there's more to that than <laughs> so i just it, it's interesting because i'm listening i'm watching gamestop it's like this game is non-stop action and it's like yeah it is non-stop action i kind of want a bit a bit of a break in between yeah. the action it just so th- there is a lot of games do uh, that and, that they don't offer you any yeah. peaks and valleys and it just tur- it's like when you turn something up to 11 and just keep it there after a while it just wears you out. You just start to tune out after a while. You need those valleys to appreciate the peaks more. When everything is just a peak, it all just becomes almost like white noise in a lot of ways. Yeah, and admittedly, I am terrible at fighting games. I am really bad at parrying. So that's one reason <laughs> I never liked uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance or whatever yeah. that game is called. That was I another very similar system. game, yeah. Yeah. Well, the so window I, that you I, had in I, that game in particular was really tight. Like it was one of the more challenging really parry systems. Yeah. L- luckily in Bayonetta two, the windows is pretty wide. But yeah, I just I, like it was good. It was too short. Uh, it was and the, what the game wants you to do is play it a couple times over. But it's like I didn't really have a good time the first time, so I'm I'm kind of out. But uh, so we have Bayonetta two. We have Odyssey. Um, I bought Blaster Master Zero, which you know, what is that, like an eight-hour game? Yeah. The only... So I'm sitting here thinking, like, I love my Switch. The Pro Controller is amazing. It is. I will give it that. It, yeah, it's, for sure. It's, it just, it's perfect, yeah. Coming from someone who never owned an Xbox ever with the the offset analog sticks worked fine for me. But, uh, I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, what game is coming out this year that I that I really, really want? And the, funnily enough, the only game I can think of is Octopath Traveler. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Are you talking about you're talking um, about the spit the switch specifically? Sorry, sorry, yeah, going back to the switch. Okay. Yeah. So when you think about the the year, like even so I, I jumped in in October and even then, like what is that, eight months or six, seven months after the system came out, while I like the form factor, I like the pro control, um, I'm not a handheld guy, I don't take it uh, outside of my house, but basically I'm looking at Mario Odyssey and Maybe some game like Blaster Masters. Like, so there's just not really anything there for me, and I guess that's my really big kind of well, takeaway. I think one is thing you, you have to keep in mind, though, is that it's the first year of Switch. Sure. Um, if you sure. think back to even the last couple PlayStation consoles, think back to the launch of those consoles and what you were playing. I mean... Yeah, it's PlayStation 4, I mean, I was playing, like, Rezogun for the first, like, four or five weeks. Like, <laughs> you're I right, mean, you're right. I mean, and that's what you it's, – it's easy to say, okay, well, I bought this, and maybe I'm not 100% happy with it. But a lot of times you need to have a frame of reference to compare it to to kind of give it a fair grade. 
Um, and I think if you compare what the Switch released, I mean, you also got to remember, you're saying, oh man, just Zelda and Mario. Zelda and Mario are gigantic games. I mean, even Mario. I, I, I cannot believe how much time I've spent playing that game, Zelda. Like, I mean, I ended up liking Mario more than Zelda, but I still spent like 60 or 70 hours playing Breath of the Wild. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, there, there are two games for the Switch in the first year that pretty much unanimously people can say they're worth buying. Go buy them, spend 60 bucks on them, you're probably not going to regret it. And then there's a couple other ones, like, I love Splatoon. I still play Splatoon online, and I do like online games more than a lot of people. Um, but I think if you compare the first year of Switch to the first year of PlayStation 4 or even X or Xbox One, it's like, what games really stand out from the first year of PlayStation 4 or the first year of Xbox One? That are even kind of in the same league yeah. as Super Mario Odyssey and, and Breath of the Wild. No, I think I think you're right. You know, actually, that kind of made me slightly adjust my opinion on it because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm I'm easy I'm easy that way. But <laughs> with with those two games, Breath I actually I rebought Breath of the Wild on the Switch by the way because I'm I'm crazy. Yeah. But uh, I, I I spent 130 hours in Breath of the Wild. I did all 120 shrines. Uh, I got all 999 moons in Super Mario Odyssey. So wow, that wasn't easy, that, that's man. Like, there's a couple of moves that I've just given up on. Like, I was just like, screw this. I'm too yeah, old for this it's, now. It's, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I didn't look anything up. Uh, I just, I just bold, bold hit it. It's like 80 hours. So there's a couple of moves you know in what? that game where it, I just was like, this is so unfair. Like, you just needed luck to basically get them. And after I had tried them like 10 or 15 times and things just never aligned, I was like, screw this. I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, there's one where you have to constantly jump on these like little platforms as a bullet bill no that's exactly what i'm talking about that is one of them yeah. i never got it i yeah. just quit <laughs> if 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 my lovely pro controller wasn't brand new i would have thrown that thing out the fucking window <laughs> it's I'll tell so you hard man yeah i didn't get right, so, no, luck think, it's not even that it's just hard so yeah i no, i think you kind of yeah like two of probably in in two series that have started since the mid 80s you get two of the best games, arguably two of the best games in the series, yeah. you know, in the last, what, like, plus 30 years plus. Right. You get them in the same year. Yeah. You know, yeah, I deal. think uh, maybe maybe it does deserve the A that you're, you're, you and Matt said that it, it deserves. I just think, I, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm spoiled because I bought my PlayStation 4 last year. Oh, well, uh, yeah, of course, no, then no, you're no, just I'm like sorry. a smorgasbord of awesome games to choose from. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, uh, uh, late 2016. So I had just an insane amount of games from PS Plus and all this stuff. And I think maybe I'm a bit spoiled in that way to where I just expect there to be all these games I want to play. So, and you know what? I think, I think you've changed my mind mind a little bit. I, I just, I wish <laughs> Nintendo should hire me. on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll, yeah. They're talking about it. They want influencers, right? <laughs> Well, I'm glad right, you yeah. came away, so, came came around to uh, my way of thinking. I mean, by the way, Matt was not Matt gave it like an A for software, but then he just he did not like the the rest of everything else the Switch is doing. So um, okay. I was the yeah. only one who was kind of glowing over the Switch's first year. So yeah, you know, like I just I guess I wish there was more games. Form Factor, the eShop, the the UI. Uh, or you don't the, care the... about online play, but <laughs> the Switch's online play is abysmal. I mean, it's like. It's worse than the Wii. How's that even possible? Yeah, tried it. How's that even possible? 
It's well with with Nintendo anything possible. <laughs> right? You're right. <laughs> Both good and bad, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you know it, for this year, I don't I, like Octopath Traveler. Uh, who knows what they're going to, you know, shovel out this year? But I, I you know, I'm, More I'm Wii hoping U for a good virtual console. Yeah, yeah, you know, like don't, Tropical Freeze. I play that in the Wii U. It's just, I mean, if you take out what they've re, they ported to the Switch. It's just a bit lacking for you're me right. in, terms, no, in right. terms of games. I, I can get that perspective totally. Um, and this but year I'll right now you. is looking a little light as well. So we'll see what happens at E3. Right. Uh, okay, so like final thing, I'll tell you this. If they start putting out TurboGrafx-16 games on a virtual console, I am sold. I, I'll sign up for that thing day one. Wow. Uh, I'm, probably, I'm probably the only person that has ever said that ever. But uh, Well, at least it like, sounds like Nintendo's going to be fair with uh, pricing and things like that. It sounds like you may oh, be able to just pay geez. a monthly price and sample some of the retro games on, on that service if it ever freaking launches. Again, just like it's online play, it's kind of a disaster. But got to right. take the good with the bad, I, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, sorry, kind of going on a little bit. but And the last thing is... It's because it's Nintendo. Everyone's thinking, everyone's hoping for a good virtual console, but it's, we're kind of in this weird space. Where it's like it's Nintendo, so we don't know what we're going to get. I think everyone in the back of their head is thinking like, this could probably be lacking. It could. We don't know. Like it's it's things like they've been proven to work on Xbox and, and PlayStation, and yet in, in the back of everyone's mind, we're kind of thinking, are they going to? It seems easy <laughs> enough. Just insane, put, I know. Just put, yeah, just put the games out. Like you have, you have the best backlog ever, and yet in the back of everyone's minds, we're thinking like, are they going to actually just release? Are they going to do what everyone wants them to do? They they don't they do that a lot. They never do. The, the problem yeah, exactly. is, is that Nintendo has been making so much money off of repackaging its old games for so long, and it continues to work. I mean, look at how many people bought yeah. Mario Kart again for Switch, and how many people bought oh. Pokemon Tournament again for Switch, like. It works, well, and that's well, why... It, how look, many if you, people bought it again, though, and, uh, instead of, like, the first time, right? Well, then you start talking There's about, like, that. Super Mario Brothers and some of those old side-scrollers. Like, how many times has Nintendo sold those now? Like, over and over. Yeah. And, like, the way their online services work, like, why, did, why could I buy something on the Wii... And now I can't play it on Switch, and I couldn't play it on Wii U. Like yeah. they, Nintendo always chops you off. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to buy that again. And... At a certain right. point, people and, have to and, put their foot yet, down, or they're going to keep doing it. Right, and yet the Wii U, the Wii U is backwards compatible. Like I, I played Skyward Sword in the Galaxy games for the yeah. first time on the Wii U, and it's like, just yeah. line it up, guys, please. I like, know. what the hell are you doing? It's crazy. Yeah. Well, listen, Evan, man, great call. You're in Japan, so what time is it there right now? Dude, it's like seven fifty in the morning. I am wow. severely hungover. <laughs> Wait, so are you still awake from last night, or did you just get up early? No. No, I uh, I went out with my friends and uh, woke up at six in the morning for the show. <laughs> it's Sunday morning here. <laughs> well, thank so, you, uh, man. Dedicated that is, as ever. That is dedication, and man. Shifted. Thank you so much. Well, go back to bed, man, and, and sleep off that hangover. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll watch the end of the show, and uh, yeah, I'll probably go back to bed. But yeah, cheers, man. Uh, I, I appreciate everything you do. The site's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it. And uh, by the way, this show is amazing, by the way. I love <laughs> I think it's great. Like, it's really kind of hitting its stride today. Like, today, we're really oh, seeing totally. what this show can be. Um, I knew it could be this. We just needed enough people to participate. And today, it's been great. Like, I'm just kind of riding on cloud nine right now about how the show's going. So, thank you for being a part of it, Evan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Sleep that hangover off. 
<laughs> All right, see ya. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right. Well, we're at like almost the two-hour mark right now for THS. Um, we're kind of up against it. We had a uh, a couple other topics that we wanted to get to, but we're kind of out of time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one more call on the first year of Switch. And let's try to get some people in on the show that have not been in yet. Um, we like people who call back and are, become sort of a part of the show's community. But let's get some people on the show that haven't called in yet. Maybe you're sitting on your hands, you're a little nervous. Don't be shy. Um, we're all friends here. I mean, honestly, we're, we are all friends. Uh, so let's have one more person call in, and let's make sure that you have had the Switch for the first year. Somebody out there has to have owned the Switch since launch and is either really happy with it or completely regrets their purchase. Um, uh, if you guys did not watch Game Face, um, I did give the Switch an A, a flat A, not an A-, minus, a flat A for its first year on the market. Um, to Cribnote's version of what I said on Game Face was that I it's unprecedented for Nintendo to put out this many great first-party games in the first year of a console's life. Uh, Matt did point out that there was one year where Nintendo put out Zelda and Mario in the same year, but it wasn't the first year of the console's lifespan. It was uh, kind of in the middle. Um, so this is a first. It's a big deal. I think the Switch has been great. Um, I do use the handout functionality here and there, not as much as I would have in the past, probably when I had a longer commute for work or... I was traveling via plane a lot. So, yeah. Let's see if we can get one more call. If not, it's all good. We can close the show. You guys have been absolutely amazing today. So maybe I'm asking for too much to get one last one in here. But I wanted to close it off with at least one more call. All right. Well, if nobody knew a call, we will talk to Mikey, who called earlier. What's going on? Can you hear I us? felt so terrible because the first time I called in, I was focusing on the camera. I was trying to have like a good presence and yeah. realized after I did the stream. Yeah, I think we wanted to show, you know, my Daniel Bloodworth esque locks going here. So <laughs> that is some amazing hair you got going on there, man. How long have you been growing it? I start my mother wouldn't throw my hair out until I turned 18 and then I started on <laughs> that day <laughs> and, have, and and have only trimmed it uh like maybe three times ever uh, um and the last time I, was um two weeks before my wedding uh back in August of 2016 so uh, only about like a year and a half your audio is cutting out unfortunately I don't know if maybe you're on wi-fi or something no I'm hardwired is that any better Seems to be. All right, I'll I'll just I'll just be like. No, I think it's just your, I think it's your just your connection overall because the video is pausing with the audio as well. But anyway, give us your impressions of the okay. first year of Switch. We'll try to fight through it. Um. Anyway, so Switch. Like, I actually bought two day one because my one friend uh had failed to get a pre order, and so I did that, and I helped my brother lock down his. Um. I put 135 hours into Zelda, wow. and I also bought, and I bought Snipper Clips, and I bought the uh, Mario Kart 8. I guess what Redux or Remaster, Deluxe, whatever the heck yeah. they call. Yeah, Deluxe, Deluxe. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I had been ecstatic about the Switch because I was one of the people who fought and fought and fought and fought and never bought a Wii U because I was just like, ah, oh, there wasn't 
quite that thing to push me over the edge to get a Wii U. And so I've been ecstatic with the uh, different software that has been coming over th- from the Wii U that I missed because I did not play Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And um, I have been enjoying that so much. And it's, it's a great with, game. Uh, with no, yeah, with no Smash Brothers uh, to be seen on the horizon, that is the uh, the best party game. Um, and so I really enjoyed it, the Pro Controller, even though I prefer the uh, symmetric PS4 controller. Uh, the Pro Controller has been wonderful. Um, but here is the biggest crux that I've had with the Switch. Um, even though I have put a whole bunch of time into it, um, the biggest problem I've had with playing my Switch is how good 2016 and 2017 were for other platforms. Yeah, you're right. So, and so, like, what happened with me is, like, I started playing, like, when I would get them on Steam sales, I played through Doom 2016, I played through the original um, reboot of Wolfenstein, uh, I was playing through uh, Dragon's Dogma, I was playing through all these different games that came out um, that I didn't get at full price originally, and I had, just because 2016 had been such a busy year, I got backlogged a year and a half into all these fantastic games, and I still, I have Horizon Zero Dawn sitting down there that my uh, friend gave me that I have not started yet because I was trying to play through some Switch games and trying to complete other things. One of my gaming resolutions was to finish the games that I start. And so I was trying to make a list of all the stuff. And so I've completed several different games. Um, and I am very excited for the backlog from Switch. Um, but Why did you not part, play Doom on the Switch or wait for Wolfenstein to come out on Switch? Um, these, uh, because I was able to get Doom for my beautiful... Uh, gaming PC and uh, I was able to get it for like 15 bucks versus yeah. <laughs> what 40 or 60 that's a no brainer and, <laughs> and yeah, it'll run and, at like 400 frames a second instead of like 25 like it will on switch yeah yeah, I get, yeah, and, I get it I just it, wondered it was buttery smooth and it was actually a really um, interesting experience playing through Wolfenstein and then Doom seeing how it had uh, improved on its like modern retake uh, retelling of its old games, and uh, like it, it was it was just a, a beauty to behold. Um, but uh, to be honest, my switch for the last quarter, for the last quarter of 2017 and the first quarter so far has still been not turned on except one time to uh, bring out Mario Kart at a party, uh-huh. and and. Um, to be honest, it was Amazon's fault that I hadn't turned it on in the last two weeks because I was going to pick up Bayonetta 2. I was very excited for that, uh, but found out they discontinued their uh, new games bonus that it's only pre-order yeah. bonus. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like, Bayonetta 2 would have been great for 47 bucks, but not for 60. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much um, what Evan just said. He's just like, it's not worth the 60 dollars. It was too short, and he didn't want to replay it. Um, so I, I can totally get that and you're right that amazon changing that was a huge deal man it was so nice to be able to like wait until reviews came out and then exactly. go, and then like plunk down the money on amazon and get it for 20 bucks off now the way they have it set it up set it up you can't get reviews before mm-hmm. you buy games on there for the discount which stinks but it is what it is Correct. gotta take the good with the yeah. bad i guess 
And here's and the last thing I was going to say about the Switch is that I was so excited. I started buying a couple of indie games that I normally would have bought off Steam, and I bought them on my Switch. And I was excited for like the earlier. We're talking like a June or July of last year. Yeah, I started playing a bunch of different indie games on my. Like I bought Shovel Knight, like the the Treasure Trove collection on my Switch, and loved it because I hadn't played through the second DLC. Right. And I was like, oh man, I, I don't mind double dipping. Yacht Games deserves my money more than most other developers. For sure. Take it. So I bought some of these, but I actually found because of my ginormous hands that it was not as fun to play a lot of these uh, kind of precision platformer yeah. indies. Yeah. On my Switch, especially in handheld mode, because that was what I was most excited. I'm like, oh, I'll take Shovel Knight, I'll take Hollow Knight, I'll take yeah. all these different games and throw them on the go. And um, it just not has, has been not as easy, and I have kind of reverted back to, in spite of myself, reverted back to getting them on my PC because it's just more comfortable to play. And, and so, they always for- run better, and they always look better. I mean, that is one thing with Switch with indie games is... Indie games kind of are what they are. They're not going to look that much worse on Switch, but in a lot of cases, they do run worse on Switch. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that that actually has been the biggest disappointment to me. I, I would give Nintendo, like, so many props for, for pushing out, like, at least three big guns, like, in its first year, like yeah. Mario, Zelda, Xenoblade. Um, even though uh, I really I like the first Xenoblade, um, and I played Wii. enough of, yeah, I played uh, enough of the Xenoblade Two on um, over to friends to say, yeah, no, this this went in a completely different direction. Um, it's a lo- a lot more immature of a uh, setting, I would say, and so that turned me off, and so I personally didn't purchase it. But I give Nintendo big props for putting out what it did put out. Um, and I'm just uh, a little disappointed, and it's not necessarily Nintendo. It might be just me that the uh, its its mobile capability is not as big of a factor as I really thought it would be. It depends on, again. Have, it depends a lot on how you commute. It's like if you drive correct. to work, drive to work every day, you're not going to use it. If you take a bus, you take a train, you're going to use it a correct. ton. Um, but a lot of yeah. people, I mean, look, you you probably don't have to take a train or a bus to work every day. You probably drive every day. No. And it Correct. really only, I mean, it's for kids who are always sitting in the back of their parents' car, and it's for people who live in big cities where they're constantly commuting via train or bus. But I, I was also hoping it would get me through a lot of uh, family reunions and other stuff right. like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just tune out, or is it, so let me ask, is it so you can tune out, or is it so you can get the rest of your family to play? Um. With Mario Kart, it's getting the rest of my family to play because I actually built a battle case with all of my stuff in it so that I could just grab the case, take it, and in five minutes be set up to play a family game at a bunch of these events or whatever. But that's on them. As not as many people were interested, so I would end up setting it up for uh, for not. So gotcha. that's on them. So to so sum it all up, give us your your letter grade for the Switch's first year. Uh, for Switch's first year, um, I would have to give it um, either a flat A or an A plus, just for um, exceeding so many people's expectations 
with this, uh, with both its software and its hardware. Um, a lot of the downsides of the hardware are things that have been downsides to all Nintendo hardware over the past three generations. So I can't, I'm not giving it like the free pass that it gets on a lot of other things. Um, but I would say it did a l- so much more than I thought it was going to do coming from the catastrophe that was the Wii U with yeah. not being able <laughs> to get people. So, so for this first year, like not, not, not lifetime overall, but for this first year, I would definitely give it an A plus because it gave the switch about as good of a chance as it possibly could to be a success with a couple of very, uh, astute tactical changes to make sure that they hit the right markets and put out the right software and just cater to the right type of audience. All right. That sounds fair enough to me, man. Thank you so much for your call and uh, have a great Saturday. All right. Thank you very much, man. All right. Take care. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the second episode of THS today's high score. Uh, Mad props to you guys. You guys delivered today. You guys were amazing today. Your calls were great. You guys are figuring out the rhythm of the show. Um, you're starting to figure out what the right time is to call in. Uh, you're starting to have that that sixth sense of, okay, things are starting to wrap up with this guy. I'm going to call in now. Uh, I just want to thank you guys so much because, again, without you guys, this show would have been nothing. I was really scared that uh, maybe things weren't going to work out after the second episode didn't work. But... Obviously, I think having a Saturday show and doing it around this time works out really well. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter account over the next week, and uh, we'll let you know when we're going to do the next episode. I'd like to do this at least once a week, because I think it's just great, man. It's been so awesome just sitting and talking games with you guys. Um, You guys are smart. You really know games really well. I hope Sifted has at least a little bit to do with that. I hope we've uh, helped inform you guys and... uh, make you more knowledgeable on gaming. So um, we're probably going to start putting this up on our iTunes feed. We might feed it into the Game Face feed, so people may stumble across this uh, that way. Uh, And if that's the case, if you're discovering us on iTunes, uh, we are Sifted at Sifted.net. I am Shane Satterfield. I've been around this industry for a really long time. Um, and we are supported with Patreon. So if you go to our Patreon and kick us a dollar a month or whatever you can afford, that would be awesome. Uh, that's patreon.com slash sifted. So thanks once again. I think the second episode of THS was a smashing success. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon.